Thank you, Claire, for that beautiful dance. And uh, by the way, the stage is out like this because Claire and several hundred other folks had a, a dance recital this weekend. Honey, would you hand me that right there? I'm not going to have anything to say if I don't have this right here. Um, had a dance recital and, uh, you know, graced this stage. And I'm telling you, as a, as a dad, you know, I've got daughters. When you see a young lady dance, like your, your heart just expands, you know, seeing the beauty of that. So grateful to all of those who dance. And Claire, thanks for serving us today in that way. If you would, take your Bibles, if you've got them, and open to Luke chapter 15. We're continuing our study through the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to turn 52 uh, at the end of this month, and uh, I've given up some things, and I got to tell you this, one of them is denying that some changes happen. At, you know, when you turn 30, people say, is it different? No, you turn 40. I don't, I don't think it's a big difference, but I'm just going to say it for me. When I hit 50, I'm just saying physically, it just the body, you know, just, just isn't doing what it used to do. And one of the ways I notice it doesn't bounce back. My, my body doesn't, doesn't bounce back the, the way it once did. Mentally, uh, same thing. And I, I, not, I changed some gears physically, you know, at 50, but I changed three gears mentally, it seems. And you know you're getting older when one of your, one of the greatest joys in life becomes remembering. It's like, I remembered your name. You know, it's, well, it's a win. Uh, it becomes finding something you lost. You know, are you with me? When, you know, my, our kids might hear Lisa and I going, oh, oh gosh, what about And they go, what's going on? What's going on? And it's like, I found the pen, the pen that I lost, you know. It's, uh, and I have, I have resigned myself to go, you know, this is tough. I mean, it's, it's happening to me. I do that. And you know what? I'm, I'm just going to treat those things like little mini Christmas gifts. Never had, oh, yes, another gift this week, you know, that I had and lost. It's, is it not true that in a strange way, I can't, I can't totally explain this, that when you have something and then you lose it, truly, that in the finding, there is a joy, this is strange, that surpasses the joy you had before you lost it. It's, I don't know how to, it's more precious in the finding. I, I don't have an explanation for that. I've got some thoughts around it, even biblically, but it's just that strange joy, right? That, that heightened uh, a joy that it, it, it makes the thing more valuable. That's what we're, that's what we're going to talk about in this text. I'm just going to cut to the quick. What's the text about today? Can I say it this way? It is about the joy of God in finding the lost. It's about the joy of God in finding what's lost. It's about the joy of God. And think about it like this. If you and I lose something and then in finding it, it's like, yeah, yes, you know. Uh, can you imagine the nuclear joy of God that expands in his being when he finds that which is lost? And here's just really neat is as we go through this text, he's going to invite us into that ever expanding joy. Now this text it, for me is, I, I think it's, a, it's a more about the heart than the head. And when I say that, I, I want to qualify it because you know this. There's no, you can't separate the heart from the head. That's, you can't do that. So I'm not saying separate it and we just need to feel something. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is I think we'll get the understanding. I think the head part comes, but we're going to have to do a little bit of work to get to the heart. What do I mean by that? I mean, I'm going to do something a little later in the service that I hope helps us. 
helps us feel the joy that God himself experiences and invites us to. I'm going to do something that I hope helps us. As the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then express that ourselves in rejoicing. Okay. Let's stand together if we would. We don't do this all the time, but sometimes I'm reading a large section. I'll have a stand out of just honoring God's word. Follow along with me. We're coming out of this very challenging text on discipleship at the end of verse uh, chapter 14. And we pick up in verse 15, Luke writes in verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Verse 3. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep, which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Father, we pray your blessing on this reading and this study of your word today. And Father, there is a picture here of your heart that I pray we could grasp, not just in our heads, but in our own hearts. And we won't get there apart from your spirit, so we submit ourselves, praying that he would lead in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Well, I want to start actually in verse 3. Take a look at that. They say something, then it says, so he told them this parable. I just want to start here because this was new to me. Excuse me, new to me. Chapter 15 in Luke, a number of commentators say it's probably one of those, it's, if, it's arguably the greatest chapter in the Bible, some would say. It's the most amazing, soul-enriching chapter in the Bible. And the reason they would say that is in chapter 15, we find the parable of the of the prodigal son. Arguably the most memorable parable that Jesus told. So that's what's in Luke 15. But notice they say something to Jesus. He responds and it says, he told them this. That's singular. And so chapter 15, it's like it's got three parables. We're going to look at two today, but Jesus said it's one. And I say that just to remind us, next week, Michael's going to pick up on the first part of the prodigal son, then Bill pick up the last part of the prodigal son. It's the biggest part of the chapter. But what we're going to talk about today, the lost sheep, the lost coin, is vitally connected to the lost son. And really, they're all saying the same thing. Now, there'll be more, of course, in the prodigal son, but they're saying the same thing, the joy of God in finding what is lost. Verses 1 and 2, he says the 
tax collectors and the sinners are eating with Jesus. Let's just, I think we've covered this enough through Luke, but here's what we know. When he says, when they say the tax collectors and sinners, they're saying, you know, unrighteous, he's with unrighteous people. He's doing this with sinners. He's doing this with people who don't follow the law. He's doing this with people who break the law. He's doing this with the unclean. He's doing this with the scum of the earth, you know? That's who he's describing that Jesus is eating with. And they're very upset because when it says Jesus receives them, please understand that, that word, the Greek word, it doesn't mean just he's eating with. Like, like we might, you might leave here, you know, and you're, you know, you go eat somewhere or you're eating out during the week and you're standing at the mall and you're eating at that, lo- that, that tabletop and there's eight people around and you're eating with them. That's not what this is. This is Jesus welcomed tax collectors and sinners. In that culture to to eat with in this context is it's the, if I can say it this way, it's the most intimate social interaction a person could have. And so what they, what they say, by the way, is he's treating them like friends. He, what he, what he likes them and they like him. And that was a huge problem for them. Because the religious leaders of the day had determined that since God is holy and since we're holy and God would never touch anything unclean. So how can that guy be making the claims he is and be touching and eating with and socializing with sinners? See, for them, it made no sense at all. And Jesus launches into this parable to show them they could not be further from the truth. Oh my gosh, they're so off the planet. I mean, think about it like this. If they're thinking God would not get near sinners, oh my gosh, who are they looking at? They're looking at God who took on human flesh. You can't get any closer. You know, he took on humanity. And then he was with sinners, the low life, the scum of the world. William Barclay, noted scholar, he, he, he quotes a Jewish scholar, Uh, which I think adds more weight to this. He says, the Jew might have agreed that if a man came crawling home to God in self-abasement and prayed for pity, he might get it. But a Jew would never conceive of a God who went out to search for sinners. I mean, that, that just was way out of their category. That, you know, they're just thinking God wouldn't get near them. And then Jesus is going to go, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not just that he, he go, he'll get near him. Do you understand? He goes looking for them. And if we get, the, you know, they didn't get it, okay? I'm just telling you, they didn't get it. If, if we get it, the implications on that are massive for our heart, our soul, and our walk with God. You know, it goes into two, two parables, two stories, you know, that make up this uh, three of the chapter. There's a lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. We're going to take the lost sheep and the lost coin. And as I go through this, just, just know this. It's, it's these two stories, the same structure in each one. Lost, look, find, rejoice. Lost, look, find, rejoice. The sheep, the coin, lost. The sheep, the coin, looked. The sheep, the coin, find. The sheep, the coin, rejoice. So I'm just going to go through those four categories with this, okay? Start with lost. There are two things that are lost. 
The sheep is lost. The, the, the coin is lost. You know, valuable things. The, the coin's probably a week's worth of wage or a day's worth of wages, which would be huge for someone who is poor. Uh, they're lost. That, that which is valuable is gone. Something's lost. It's been misplaced. Think about, keep these things in mind. It's been, it's not where it was made to be. It's not in a place that it can be used for what it was to be used for. It's Lost, And in fact, this word, very interesting, the, the, the Greek word uh, lost, it's apalume. And it, and it means not just like it's misplaced, it, it carries this idea in the New Testament, ruined, destroyed, perished. Uh, it's just freighted with, can I say this, like damaging uh, uh, thoughts. It's lost. When a sheep gets separated, it wanders off. Understand, it will wind its way away from the shepherd. And when it gets lost, it goes down. It doesn't go looking for the shepherd. You see, lost sheep go down. They're done. They either, they got two options. I'm going to die or be found. And they're not thinking this, right? This, but... That's what happens when they're lost. They don't, they don't do like maybe you and I would and say, hey man, let's make some markers. Let's go look and whatever. No, no, no. They're, they're lost. Same is true of the coin. After all, it's an, inanimate, you know, it's an inanimate object. Think about a coin that's lost. This isn't Disney. You know, the coin doesn't go, help me, help me, I'm fine, find me. You know, it's lost. It's lost. It won't be, it won't be found unless someone finds it. It's lost. Look, when you look at both these stories, everyone agrees that looking for lost sheep is the right thing to do. When he said this to the religious leaders, all of them were nodding going, we get it. Yes, yes. Any shepherd, any, any shepherd worth his salt, when they look for their, count their sheep at the end of the day and they're not, one's missing, they would go out. I mean, this is so obvious. You know, this would be, I mean, if you went home today and y'all got home and you're wishing mom happy Mother's Day and you look around, where's, where's Bobby? Oh my gosh, we left Bobby. I mean, someone would go get him, right? Everyone goes, yes, that's what we do. We love our kids. Same with the shepherd. You know, they're, they're going, yes, yes, yes. This is exactly what a shepherd. Same with a woman, a poor family who loses that valuable coin. She would, she would look for it. That totally makes sense. It would probably happen at night for the shepherd. They counted the sheep at the end of the day. One's missing. And so the shepherd goes into the darkness, which just heightens, you know, just think it heightens the character of the shepherd that he would put himself in danger to find the lost sheep. It's the same way with the lady that her house is dark, which is why she lights the lamp, right? Because there's not, you know, picture windows in these homes. So she's looking in the darkness as well. So there's lost look, and then there's the find or the, the finding. The finding didn't come easily. When you go through the story, I've marked this little phrase on both the shepherd and the woman, until he found it. And it says of her, until she found it. Just that word until, what does that tell us? It tells us that he didn't go, I'm gonna go look for the sheep. Well, there it is, it's, I, that was easy. It, no, no, no. It tells us that he went in some valleys and over some hills until that she turned the house upside down until she found it. It, it. it carries this idea, if I can throw these words at it. Both searches, both are diligent, persistent, intentional, relentless, meticulous, thorough. In other words, the, the finding did not come without some cost. 
without some effort. And note too that the story makes absolutely clear, and we'll connect all this in a minute, that what they went to find, they found. He found the sheep. She found the coin. When the sheep was found, it's not like this. And, and, and you know, I can, be, I can be like this with my dog sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, the sheep, again, remember, the sheep is helpless. He's not looking for the shepherd, but the, the shepherd finds the sheep. And it's not that the shepherd comes over and goes, get up. <laughs> Come on, where have you been? Let's go. That's how I treat my dog sometimes, you know. I mean, I hate to say, Pearl, Pearl, where have you been? Um, no, 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 it would be, well, it'd be that. He reaches down and he puts the lost sheep on his shoulders. And he carries that sheep home. We'll come back to that. So there's, something's lost. There's a search or a look. Uh, there's something found. And then there's rejoicing. Both stories end with rejoicing. If you notice, look in the text. The back end of both of these stories are about personal joy and corporate joy. When it says there's joy in heaven and it says there's joy in the presence of angels, that's just another way of saying God rejoices. That's, it, it's interesting to me that it doesn't say, you've got to be careful, the angels you know, rejoice. It didn't, it didn't say that. It says there's rejoicing in their presence. And so it's just a way for the, 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 Hebrew, the, the, the Greek to say, or the Jew to say, God rejoices when a sinner repents. Now, I'm going to go from head to heart. So, so go with me here. We're going to do something here in a moment. That's the story. Okay, that's, you go through that and you go, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. It tells us there are only two categories of people in the world. We can do this. There's the lost and there's the found. That's it. And quite frankly, that's who's in the room. Who's looking at me right now? You know, in a room this size, there's the lost and there's the found. And the, the found would be those who have placed their faith in Christ. It would be what I prayed earlier. It would be what we talk about week in and week out because it's our message to proclaim that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He was buried and raised again. He paid the penalty. And if you're found, it's because at a point in your life, you believed that. You, you trusted that Jesus died in your place, was buried and raised again. And you know what? You're found. Now, if I can do this, okay, I'm going to take, take liberty. But again, I'm, I'm doing it for a reason. I want to talk to the whole room as if everyone in the room were found, okay? I'm, 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 and I don't think everyone is, but I'm just going to say this. I'm going to talk to you as if everyone's found. So I'd like you to take on, if you will, your own persona, the, the sheep. We won't go with the coin. We'll go with the sheep. It's such an iconic picture, you know, of, of, of the lost sheep, uh, lost people. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So, so just remember this, you know, though we've, we've trusted Christ, but understand that there was a time when you and I were lost. Do you, you got you to gotta understand, there was a time when you and I were lost. We went down to either die or be found. Do you remember that? The, the, the Greek word for lost carries that idea of perishing, destruction, ruin. So, so I just want you to remember there was a time when, when before you were found, you were ruined 
and ruining and you weren't up looking around for God. Why do I say that? Because sheep don't look for the shepherd. Because Romans tells us that there is none righteous. No, not one. Not even one. No, not. I mean, he just keeps repeating it. No, not one. So the point I want you to hang on to is that when, when you were, and I'm saying you and me, when you were lost, you were not going to find your way out of the wilderness. All you could do was sit and die or be found. Now in the story, God is, you know, this is obvious, but God is who? The shepherd. God is the woman. Uh, God is the one searching God is the one who finds what he searches for. If I could put a word over our condition before we were found, I would put this word above the sheep laid down, helpless. That's what we were, helpless. If I could put a word above the shepherd who is searching for the lost sheep, I would put the word unstoppable unstoppable why because in the story they, they searched until they found I read a little article on a, a boat that capsized I, I'm, I'm not sure where it was on a, one of those yachting races and I was curious about the Coast Guard and why they call off searches because five people died in that one and the article said there's no set criteria that the Coast Guard uses, like we're going to check these boxes off, call off search. But he, but he did say that the Coast Guard official said, when there's no chance of survival, and when we've searched the area thoroughly, we call off the search. And what I want us to see in this story is that God never calls off the search. He, he, he doesn't have to because he always finds his sheep. So he never calls it off. And so helplessness does not mean hopelessness with God. This, this is huge. You got to always remember, helpless does not mean hopeless with God. I'm not going to take away from helpless. Please understand when I say helpless, I mean helpless. And if you're, hel if there's a, if you're helpless and you have no God, you are doomed. That's what it means. You're helpless. It's over. You're done. But with God, do you see? Helpless never, 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 never means hopeless. Because God's grace and his love are unstoppable. Tremendous hope in that. And so it makes us mindful of this. Your salvation and mine was not an accident. I mean, it wasn't just like happenstance. You and I, understand this, according to the Bible, you and I didn't wander our way out of the wilderness. Oh, the road, I met. No, 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 no. We were helpless. And God Almighty found us. And when he did, he didn't put the boot to us. He gently put us on his shoulders and brought us home. You know, the, the, the earliest iconic Christian art was not a cross. You know, they, they didn't wear crosses like we do or, or ichthus, little fish. You know, the, the earliest 
things that we have artistically were, were statuettes of a shepherd with a lamb on his shoulders. And that's kind of hard to wear on your neck, right? You know, but that's what they had. That's what they thought. That's what they thought of, right? When they're going, I'm a Christian. This is what it means. The shepherd who brings the lost sheep home. You know, when you look at this picture, you know, I, I want you to look up at it for a moment. Is it, is it too much to look at that and go, okay, if that's, if that's me when I was helpless, then, then that is the burden of my sin. Oh my, so that would be the burden of the cross when he paid the penalty. I don't think it's reading too, I don't think we're out of bounds to consider that, even when we look at this picture. Lutheran scholar Richard Linsky, he says this, quote, as far as Jesus is concerned, humanly speaking, the sinner is heavier when he lies on Jesus's heart before he's found than when he lies on his shoulders when he's found, end quote. So I look at that and I go, isn't that well, he's, he's got the burden. Yes, it's a burden, but do, what did the shepherd do when he put the lost sheep, the burden, even the burden of our sins on his shoulders? What, according to the text, did the shepherd do? What did he do? Rejoiced! Oh my! Wait, Jesus rejoiced at bearing my sin? Yes! For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What about from the perspective of the father, Isaiah? Yes, all of us like sheep have gone astray, but but the burden of us all was laid upon him. And then later in Isaiah, it says, it pleased the father to crush him. I mean, it's not like a, it pleased the father to crush him because of what it would accomplish to his great glory to redeem a lost humanity. And so carrying us, yes, it's the burden, but it's the, he's, he's got joy in that burden. It's an uncontainable joy, which is how the stories end. He shares that joy with everyone. Here's what I want everyone to do, okay? Uh, go with me if you would. Just want everybody to close their eyes for a moment. Just go ahead and close your eyes. Everybody take a, take a few deep breaths. Just nowhere to go, nowhere to be. Just take a few deep breaths. And I know some of you are thinking, this is not my cup of tea. And I'm going, well, you know what? Drink something else. No, just kidding. You, um, you can just, just if you can, go here with me. Last time I did this, I got an email from a guy who said, I can't believe you did Eastern meditation during worship. And so I want you guys to know this is not Eastern meditation. This is transcendental yoga that we're doing right now. now I'm, I'm teasing again. This is, this is um, and again, everybody doesn't get this. So I'm just saying, if you go, if you want, you know, do this. Close your eyes. And here's all we're doing. We're just remembering and visualizing the great love of God. That, that's all I'm asking us to do for a moment. And with your eyes closed, I want you to go back in your mind's eye to that time. It could be a, a specific moment you remember or a time that you go, this when I believed. I want you to go back to that time when God, the good shepherd, picked you up and put you on his shoulders. That time when you believed that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised again, and you knew it was true for you. Go back to that moment. Go back to that place. Those people, whatever, go back there.
And from that moment in time, a, a day ago, a week ago, a year ago, years ago, whatever, from that moment, I want you in your mind's eye to move across the years to today, Mother's Day, 2012. And look at your life. And would you do this? I want you to think about, you've moved all the way to this day. What wouldn't you have today? What would you have missed? What wouldn't be in your life? What might you have gained, but it turned out to be a huge loss? Would you even be here today? Just, I want you to think about that. What that, when he found you, what that meant. And what it would have meant had he not found you. You see, it's a good thing to be mindful and to ponder the fact that we were once lost. And that means we were helpless. It's a good thing to be reminded that were it not for God and his character to initiate the search, to sustain the search, and to succeed in the search, we would still be helpless. If I can say this, it's a good thing to remember that when we were helpless, men and women, we, we didn't clean ourselves up to make ourselves lovable. No, no, no. He, he came after us in our helpless estate. When we, when we knew we're tax collectors and sinners, that's all I am. It's a good thing to be mindful that you can't make yourself lovable to God and you can't make yourself unlovable. Because he searches for what's lost. He does. And ultimately our salvation is about him, really. And boy, when we think about that, that does not a little spurt of joy begin to rise, a little piece of gratitude in our hearts. Everybody look up here at me for a moment. I don't think it's an accident that, that, that there's a joy in salvation, if I can say it this way, that must be shared. I mean, you know, there's an individual joy. When I think about the time I was saved, I had a joy, but there, there's, a, there's a joy that's not complete, if I can say it this, until it's shared with, with others. Come rejoice with me. I found the sheep. I found the coin. Come on, friends. And I don't think it's an accident that Jesus says, when you've trusted Christ, be baptized. <laughs> because what is baptism but standing in front of other people going, can I tell you what God did for me? He found me. I was dead and he raised me up. That's public rejoicing. Two weeks ago, right where I'm standing, 20 people came up, stepped in the water and said, God saved me. 
I've been found. And I want you to watch this video of that night. And I want you to note their faces. Because what you see is joy. But it's a greater joy because it's corporately shared. Take a look at these faces and listen to these stories.